Amen. So uh, Acts 28 is where we're going to pick up. Uh, last week, the uh, shipwreck happened, right? And the Lord used Paul uh, to uh, save everybody there, to give warnings, to, uh, to share what was happening and the way ahead is, and, and how they were supposed to uh, survive what happened, right? Because they wanted to take the skiff and get away. And he's like, unless you're in this boat, you're done. You know, he was able to share that with them. And they, and they got to a point where the, the ship was in complete uh, ruins. And uh, they were, at this point, the uh, the guards, the Roman guards, wanted to kill all the prisoners, right? Because if they lose a prisoner, then one of them loses their life. So they uh, had vested interest in, uh, in, you know, keeping control of the prisoners. And uh, whether they were dead or alive, uh, as long as they could account for them, then uh, they were in good shape. But if they uh, they didn't have them with them, then they had no way uh, for uh, to have proper accountability. So um, the the plan was to kill them. And uh, we know that Julius was a a, uh, a reasonable man, and, and that he uh, in wanting to save Paul's life said, "No, we're not going to do that. You guys, I'm the centurion here. You're going to listen to me." And they felt they followed suit, followed their orders as they should, as good soldiers, and and uh, everybody escaped. Uh, whether they swam to shore, those who could swim, or from the wreckage, they jumped on, you know, a floating board or something else that was floating, and they get to uh, the island, and that's where we're picking up here uh, in verse one of Acts uh, chapter twenty-eight. Verse one says, "Now when they had escaped, then uh, they then found out that the island was called." Malta. Now, some of your Bibles might say Mylita, but uh, mine says Malta, so I'm going to say Malta, okay? Uh, but uh, Malta, Jen, I kind of got introduced to some of that because I was new to the scriptures uh, when Jen and I moved to Italy. And uh, when we were at our church there, and um, we're, you know, our lives are going, but so like Venice, they don't call it Venice over there, it's Venezia. So, you know, or, or we might say Porta Known here, and they say Porta Known A. So they say, th- or, or Roma is Rome, and we say, uh, so just those uh, those differences there sometimes in life we're going to come up with, and the natives have it right, right? When people fly in here, they're like, we're flying into Bangor, Maine. We all know, okay, they're not from here, right? When the pilot gets on there, and everybody on the plane's yelling at him like he hears us, right? It's Bangor, right? But so anyways, it's, it's, it's Malta, right? So they found uh, that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he escaped the sea, Yet justice does not allow him to uh, does not uh, allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of uh, the leading citizen of the island, uh, whose name was Publius, who received uh, us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever uh, and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island uh, who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And uh, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Uh, now, when we consider here, they're they're now landing and they're they're coming to an island that means refuge. That's pretty neat. You know, they didn't uh, land on the island of storm. They didn't uh, land on the island of confusion. Or whatever is the island in Malta means refuge or safe place. So it's a pretty neat place that it, where they have no idea really where they are. I mean, they can do some navigation a little bit, but when we consider they didn't have the stars for navigation and they didn't have the sun. 
So uh, those those days that they said that they spent the 14 days, 14 nights in in complete darkness and and craziness out in that storm. Uh, no doubt when they saw anything and they had take the, taken the measure right, and they came like, oh, okay, we're we're now at uh, at uh, 120 feet, and then they got to 90 feet, and they realized they were coming up, and that they had to prepare for and brace for impact, right? So uh, they, when they finally get there, they find out the place is called Mal uh, Malta. And uh, we see a wonderful example of true hospitality here. Uh, that that uh, these people, they didn't know them. They got 276 people there because uh, all of them lived. And not one of them lost a hair off their head, right? So we know uh, that they, they were sustained through all this. So this island, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, sometimes a cruise ship will come into Bucksport. And I've always wondered, like, Bucksport? What are you going to get an ice cream? And, you know, I, I was born and raised there. I love our town. And it's beautiful. It's got, you know, some, some great pictures and everything. But after, like, 15 minutes, pretty much like, okay, we got a bookstore. And, you know, like I said, I, lo I love my town, but I've always been intrigued. And then I realized when I stop and look around how beautiful the town is, right? But sometimes people get off and you're driving downtown. You're like, where did all these people come from? Right. And uh, so you consider 276 people just kind of swimming uh, to shore or floating to shore. Uh, that's going to grab everybody's attention. And uh, so they get all these people and it says that they showed them un unusual kindness. They, they built a fire for them because it's raining and it's cold. You know, you consider, uh, you know, where where they're at in time. They're in, in uh, mid fall. And, uh, you know, you consider what they're dealing with. And uh, it's raining, it's cold, uh, they hadn't had much to eat, they had that one meal, right, because Paul told them, hey, you guys, take some nourishment and everything, and then they threw everything overboard, and then they crashed, so uh, no doubt ready to eat some food, and uh, when they get there, uh, they are met with great hospitality. And uh, you know these people, uh, selfless people that that are showing them love. Now uh, I'm sure many of us can think of times where you know what my car broke down or whatever, and you got to go knock on someone's door. This was before cell phones, right? So it, rewind twenty something, maybe yeah, twenty five years, and uh, right, and you're like, well, if I break down, maybe I could page somebody, right? Or somebody's gonna page me. You know, or, or, or those things. I remember that was our means of communication. Me and my group of friends, we, oh, we're going to text them. You know, I'm sorry, we're going to page them. We're going to page them a code, right? So we didn't have the, those abilities, right? Uh, you know, if you think of it today, you're like, oh, I can just ping and say, hey, this is exactly where I'm at. And, and, and somebody knows exactly. But oftentimes, you know, if we take 25 years away from us, we didn't have the abilities just to say, this is where I am. You know, and for these people to just take that person in and uh, and make sure that they uh, are are taken care of. As a kid, I was um, probably 16, 17. I was driving up um, Route 15. Uh, if you know where the Blueberry Factory is, my dad lives uh, just before that. So I was driving up to my dad's house, and I was going to stay there for the night and everything. And driving up that that hill, if you've ever uh, driven up that hill in New Orleans, and you're heading towards Blue Hill. And as I kind of rounded one of the corners, I see this truck coming up, flying down the road on my side of the road and swerving. And all of a sudden, the guy swerves off the road, and I look in, the, in, in my rear view, and all I see is headlights and taillights flipping. And I'm like, whoa, you know? So I, I pull over, and I turn around, I come down, and I'm like, this guy's dead. He, he was upside down. Uh, he's facing down. The, the vehicle was facing down, but I know that he flipped. Uh, so, but when he landed, he landed, you know, on the top of the car and I'm going, I'm yelling in and I'm not hearing a response. And I, like I said, I'm 16, 17 years old. And, uh, and then I start hearing some rumbling around. I'm like, Phew. okay, so, uh, help the guy get out of the vehicle. And I find beer cans all around the place so you can do the math. Right. So this guy's drunk, but the amazing things is, is when something like that happens, the people that live right across the street, they came out, is everything okay? They bring this guy, he's bleeding and everything. They bring him in and they sit him in the, in the, the, uh, the kitchen and they're, you know, helping him, you know, take care of some cuts on his head and those types of things. But, uh, you know, the, the hospitality, I mean, you might look and go, I don't know who this guy is. He's drunk and he just crashed his truck. I don't know if he's a threat. But they didn't care about any of that. They just wanted to care. So when these people saw that, that you know, these guys have been through shipwreck and, oh, wait, they're a bunch of prisoners. And what was their response? You know, the re response could have been like, they're not coming here. You're keeping them right in this corner here. And, and no, but they were they were showing them unusual kindness. 
and they, they kindle the fire, and uh, they're being a welcoming uh, to them. They know that they're cold, that they're wet, and uh, here they are uh, just putting their own safety at risk and being it. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll advise you, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't just go start picking up hitchhikers. We've all heard the stories, right? My dad and mom had a crazy guy who pulled a gun on them back way before I was even born. You know, so there, there are some, some things that can come from that. Be wise in, in our uh, ability to uh, discern. You know, we, we, we want to be able to properly discern what's going on. So I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, I'm just going to pull. Hey, that guy's in, you know, prison, prison blues. I guess I'll, you know, pick him up and, you know, see where he's headed. Probably not, right? Might want to make a phone call and have somebody with lights on top of their car come pick them up and give them a ride, right? So, so yes, with discernment. But these guys, they they know that these, there's they're not posing any threat. You got Roman guards with them and everything, and they said we're going to provide for these people, and uh, they they do. So there's this this fire, and everybody's no doubt warming up and drying out and everything. And uh, verse three says, but when Paul gathered a bundle a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So uh, you know, consider. Never have, had that happen before. Anybody here afraid of snakes? Right? Yeah. Any here uh, you know, afraid of mice? Shane. <laughs> I had to do it. I love Shane. No, no. Just, just you know, mice. A lot of people don't like rodents. They don't like. I don't like spiders. Right? I mean, I'm not going to curl up in a ball and, and scream. I, my my kids will call, Dad, Dad. There's a spider down here. They know I don't like spiders, but I mean. I, I don't want him crawling on me, but if I can see it in front of me and we've got the agreement that he's not going to jump on me, then we'll work something out. Usually I'll just kill him, but um, but or I'll you know, put him in something to throw him outside, right? But imagine you're just taking a, a stack of, of, of wood and throwing it on the fire. That, think of what that speaks of about Paul. Here's Paul, and he has just been used to save everybody's life. Paul could have sat there and been like, you guys, anybody got some food here? I'm going to sit over here comfortably. Make sure that, you know, if you think of man's uh, desire for uh, praise and worship and everything, he could have just said, hey, you guys, none of you would have even be alive if I wasn't here. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to sit here and you guys are going to tend to the fire and I need some food here and everything. Could have been a way of him promoting himself. But what is Paul doing? He's right involved with the work. Paul's a faithful minister. He understood what was required of him uh, as a minister of the gospel. Not to exalt yourself above people, but to get right in. Roll your sleeves up. Get your hands dirty and get to work. So Paul's got this, this uh, stack of wood and he takes it and throws it on the fire. And, and that had been building and uh, because it had been building, the viper uh, reaches out and snags uh, hold of his hand. And, uh, you know, consider that... You know, Paul Paul is uh, not expecting that. We're not expecting that type of attack on our lives, right? <laughs> you know, you could take a thing and just chuck it in there, and you wait to see what happens. This viper comes out and attaches to his hand. Uh, and what we saw uh, Paul's response is, shakes it off, and it falls into the fire and, and, uh, and gets burned. It dies. But, you know, consider that was not a, uh, not an expected thing. Now, consider what Paul has been through, right? Uh, he, the uh, religious leaders are trying to kill him. And uh, then uh, the Romans want to scourge him, and then they realize they can't. And then he's told, hey, you're innocent, but if you hadn't appealed to Caesar, then we could have even let you go. So, but Paul is is content being in the will of God, and uh, he knows that he's there because of God, and, and uh, so Paul's there. He he could have been very discouraged at this point. Just went through shipwreck, just had to float into here, and now I'm getting bit by this thing. I'm done with this faith thing. I'm all done with it. You know, Paul knew better, right? Paul knew better. This this viper attaches to his hand, and uh, to these now look at how the natives respond to this. You know, the natives saw it, and, and they immediately conclude that, he, yeah, he escaped the sea, but justice is following him, and, and he's going to die uh, from this viper bite. And, uh, and what do they conclude about Paul? That he's a murderer. They're going, yeah, he's one of those prisoners, but what did he do? We don't know, right? Have you ever watched a prison documentary? The, one of the things you don't do is ask, what are you in him for, right? 
know your business. I'm here, right? You know, I've, I've watched several of them, and I know that that's kind of one of the things. Like, eventually, when you become friends or anything, but, um, you know, when, when you, uh, you know, what are you in here for? That, that type of thing. But these guys, they look at him, and, and they've concluded here that Paul is a murderer. And uh, it, this is quite a thing. You know, nobody, like, gets up to help it. You know, and I don't even know how you treat it, you know, especially in the island of Malta. I mean, you grab some, you know, cranberries that have been growing and put it, you know, uh, rub that into something. I don't know. You know, they've they've dealt with that type of thing before. But, they, you know, when you consider a viper bite and the venomous, um, that they're venomous, uh, you know, when they see him and he shook it off into the fire, they were expecting him to swell up. They're just waiting, right? You know, I mean, it's it's kind of funny when you read it, you know, uh, but he shook off the creature, verse 5, uh, into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly uh, fall down dead. I mean, these guys are just waiting. It's almost like somebody would take out, you know, a uh, a stopwatch, right? And they're like, no, it's going to happen right now. You know, taking bets. He's done in three minutes. I say five. You know, whatever it is, you know, the, these guys are at a point where they're all just waiting for him to drop. They're, they're saying, no, this guy's a murderer. He escaped the sea, but justice is following after him, and he's done. You know, we're going to see this happen uh, in in uh, Paul's life, and, and, and they're just waiting for him uh, to die. And um, so uh, they, they watch him shake it off, and they've been sitting there uh, for, it says, even for a long time. You know, when you consider that, uh, you know, I... I, I when I'm looking, you know, trying to imagine what's happening, I imagine there's some leaning forward happening, right? You know, you know, when, when you're waiting for something to happen, people, are, you, you realize, wait a minute, I'm tense or I'm holding my breath. I'm leaning forward. Those things, they're just waiting for Paul to drop dead. And they, 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 that's the expectation here. And when he didn't, they go from saying he's a murderer to being a god, <laughs> right? How, guys, think about how fickle man's mind is, right? So remember Jesus. I mean, uh, one day they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? And then there's crucify him seven days later. You know, just, just days later. You remember in Acts chapter 14 when Paul healed the man at Lystra, right? They, when, uh, when Paul heals this guy, he sees him looking at him intently, and, and Paul uh, goes and heals him in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody's like, he's a god, Right, and they're they're all ready to worship them, and it says that uh, they're ready to to worship Paul and Barnabas as though their uh, Barnabas was Zeus and 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 Paul was Hermes, and and they're ready to 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 worship them, and it says that the Bible actually says that they scarcely restrain them from worshiping them, and they had to say no 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 we're we're normal people and everything. Read a few more verses, and they want to stone them to death, and they do. Guys, it's crazy. You know, we, we come to such conclusions based on some things. What is, what is that saying? Believe none of what you see and only half, none of what you hear and half of what you see or something like that, right? When we when we consider, when we see a situation, we can't jump to a conclusion. These guys jump to a conclusion against Paul, right? And they're like, oh, he's a murderer. And then he didn't die, and he shakes the thing off in the fire, and they're going, okay, well, well maybe he's a god here. And um, they, uh, they've uh, come to the point where, uh, these people are watching him. They saw him acting uh, like a, a regular person, and um, he, you know, he's doing his part and feeding the fire. And they saw him get bit, uh, and the response was to shake it off. and And uh, they continue with uh, with the with the setting here. Realize that they were aware of what was happening in Paul's life and what he was doing, and uh, realize for us, they're watching us. People are watching us. When something might unexpected comes into our lives, the, the, even in the, within the Christian world, we may have a younger brother or sister in the Lord that's looking at us going, wow, this person's going through this. And whether they're sitting there like taking note or anything, they are watching how we respond to things. They are watching those things. You know, when I consider that, the, the, the biggest example I have of that is with my family. My family see me blow it. They've seen me do well with things. You know, but but my kids, you know, could tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, this has happened here and and dad has has responded this way. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I just, yeah, I my, my flesh got the best of me right there, you know, or uh, they've looked and gone, oh, well, he took that. All right. <laughs> OK, well, you know, he seems to be catching this in stride and things are going well. Realize that what happens in our life that people are watching, you know, whether it's family, friends, uh, brothers and sisters within the church. 
you know, for Paul, he's not sitting there going, oh, cursed am I. You know, I just crashed. You know, I've got bit by this thing. Can I get a break here? You know, we don't have any of the commentary of what happened. What we do see is that he shook it off and then he cared about his day. You know, that, that's quite a powerful thing to consider uh, with Paul. It doesn't say that he's sitting there whining or anything. And Luke took down everything. He was telling us, you know, where exactly they went, how many days they were there, what type of winds they had. You know, Luke wasn't, he, he would have said that Paul was discouraged or Paul was angry or Paul, you know, but uh, when, when Paul went through this, it just, uh, you know, they, uh, there's nothing here from Luke regarding uh, Paul other than he shook it off and then continued with the evening. So, but we see here that these people jump to a conclusion of Paul based on the circumstances rather than the content of his character. And uh, they, they immediately got to the point where they're, they're, they're judging him. Now, there's prosperity doctrine that will teach that, hey, something bad happens in someone's life. It's because they're sinful. They're wrong. You know, they're a murderer, right? Like these guys would say, there's this wrong in this person's life. That's why this happened. And when they came to that conclusion, they were wrong. He wasn't a murderer. You know, and, and he suffered no uh, no you know, lasting issues or anything. He shook it off and, and carried about uh, his way. Now, it's wicked and wrong for us to assume that because something's going on, or, you know, wrong in someone's life, that uh, or, or it would be less desirable to be dealing with in life, that there's something sinful in their life. You know, a, of uh, some pretty dear, uh, dear brother and sister shared uh, with me that, you know, someone they know and love, they, they lost their husband to cancer. And what the, they were told uh, by their church, by their church was just need to repent, and come to God. What? <laughs> need to repent and come to God? You mean cancer just doesn't, you know, doesn't take somebody's life? We've seen it happen within this fellowship here. What are we going to say to the family? What are we going to say to the person? Right? It's awful. These guys here, if they could have said it to Paul, you know they were whispering it. They're like, oh, this guy's a murderer. Check it out. He's going to die right now. You know, that, that, that was their mindset. They were judging him based on the circumstances and not the content of his character. We, the memory verse that we saw here, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does so he's talking about the uh, the brothers that came before David, uh, and he's saying, "For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks, uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." God understands what's going on in our lives. You know, we can look awesome. We could come to church, hair perfectly done, suit, tie, all that stuff. Great. I mean, if you come here in the, here in this church, you're wearing suit and tie, more than welcome. You're wearing flip-flops and a t-shirt, more than welcome. It doesn't matter. We're not looking at the outward appearance. The outward appearance can be very deceiving, as it was in the circumstances for Paul, this circumstance. Now, I mean, think about it. You get bit by and then by this viper. You just survived the, ship, the shipwreckage, and now you're bit by the viper. And, and uh, you know, it, Paul's like, no, no, no. He, he could have addressed this if, if uh, you know, people are looking at him. Paul's like, guys, no. But he, he could have easily said, no, this isn't what's going on in my life. you got to understand how God's working and who I was and, and what, what God has been doing in and through my life. But all we see is that he shook it off and went about the, the evening. But what's in the heart of man? When we look and go, oh, that's going on in their life. There's got to be something. You know, God's, God's not letting them get away with something. And that was that's quite a thing here to deal with. So then uh, we're introduced to a, uh, a man that is working. We could consider him like a governor of the land or uh, whatever. It says in verse 7, in that region there was an estate um, of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, uh, who uh, received us and entertained us uh, courteously for three days. So uh, Publius is uh, receiving them, and uh, he's doing so courteously, taking care of them, used what he had to, to bless others. And we see that in his life, his father is uh, dealing with an illness. It happened his father uh, was, was sick. He's dealing with se severe digestive system problems uh, caused by an infection, dysentery. And uh, he's in rough shape, and Paul went in uh, and prayed for him and laid his hands on him and healed him. 
So the man that they immediately thought was a murderer and, and was going to die from the viper bite suffered no injury from it. Uh, not only that, but now he goes in and he heals somebody. And uh, they didn't, they'd never experienced this before. So uh, now they see Paul in a different light, no doubt, because it says in verse uh, 9, So when this was done, the rest of those who were on the island who had diseases and uh, also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways when we departed. Uh, they uh, provided such as uh, things as were necessary. So uh, they had lost everything. And after Paul had, um, had gone in and healed uh, Publius' father, there was, uh, you know, this great response. Everybody's like, wait a minute, my mom's sick or my kid's sick. And they all come and they see Paul and Paul was used uh, to, uh, to heal them. And uh, we, we see here that he did. And um, that as he's, as he's doing so, um, everybody's coming. It's ministering to everybody on the island. So the Lord actually brought Paul to minister uh, to the island of Malta. And uh, I, I'm convinced that there's, uh, there's uh, no way that uh, Paul wouldn't have shared the gospel as he was allowed to, but we don't have that recorded there. But I think we can come to the logical conclusion that Paul, as he's healing, he's saying, in the, in the name and power of Jesus Christ, you know, you, you are healed. And then he's able to explain it. We don't know to, to what degree uh, the Romans could have shut him down. We, I, I don't know here. But I do know that he, uh, as he had the, uh, the power and the permission to do so, he was uh, healing them. So Paul very much understood his assignment while he was there. It wasn't just to lay around and wallow and say, yeah, I got bit. I just went through shipwreck and all those things. But his mind was to minister. So what we see here is the graciousness of God to save the lives of others. You know, think of them. You know, these uh, these generous people took them in and uh, provided for them, and God blesses them, and and they are healed. They they are uh, dealing with sickness. They're on an island. It's not like it's not like they've got you know, hey, you can pull right up to here, get you some antibiotics, you're going to be all set, right? They're stuck with what they're dealing with. They got all their herbs and spices and whatever else, and you know, teas. And uh, it's funny. You guys ever notice when you're sick? Uh, and it's all everybody with great intentions, but they're like, you know what I do? This is what I do, you know, like, and, uh, you know, I drink tea and some of it's great. And most of this, this is great, right? It, it's very good information. What is available to me when I was sick with that? I took this, right? Um, some of them are really funny. Um, uh, but some of them, uh, most of them will make sense in everything here, but no doubt they had tried everything they could and uh, it just wasn't working. And here comes Paul. Uh, and he's uh, ministering to people and, you know, you know, only God, you know, consider everything that they had been through, you know, the shipwreck, the, the uh, you know, the craziness of getting bit, all those things. Only God could still work through those types of things. You know, they, these guys uh, here are going through so much and uh, with everything that they've seen and, and, and Paul could have been discouraged, but he understood who God was and, uh, um, they're, they're here, and uh, Paul realizes, hey, this is a ministry opportunity. Your, your father's sick. Uh, he's not doing well. He goes in and he prays. And then others come, and they, they are, are, are healed. And as I said, it's logical for us to, to uh, know that uh, or to come to a conclusion that Paul, as he was healing, he was ministering in the name of Christ. He's not saying, uh, you know, hey, the, 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 you know, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus slash Paul of Tarsus healing ministries and, you know, get a van going and, you know, got the guy pulling him in a cart afterward and um, people feeding him grapes, you know, all those types of things. No, he's spreading the gospel of Christ and he's being used uh, to, to heal people and uh, making sure God got the credit. No doubt. Matthew 5 verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they see uh, that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. No doubt. That's what Paul was doing to the glory of God. Verse 11. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had uh, wintered at the island and landing at Syracuse. We stayed there three days. From there, we circled around to Re uh, Regium and uh, circled around and reached Regium. And uh, after one day, the south wind blew, and uh, the next day, we came to uh, Patioli. All right, we're going to call it that, uh, where uh, we found brethren. 
and uh, were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when uh, the brethren heard about us, uh, they met us. Uh, they came to meet us as far as uh, a pie forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when uh, we came to Rome, the centurion delivered this, the prisoners uh, to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So for after three months, then they jump on another Alexandrian ship. I wonder if they did so a little reluctantly, because the last one they were on was an Alexandrian ship, right? Uh, so it's uh, pretty neat here, but um, we know they did. Whether they wanted to or not, they got on the ship. Um, so it says that the figurehead was the twin brothers. That means Castor and Pollux. Uh, those were uh, in the um, the mythology. They were the sons of Zeus, and uh, Castor and Pollux were known as the protectors of men of the sea. So um, many times they would put them uh, on the front of ships so that uh, they would uh, they would be considered as uh, pleading for safety while they were out to sea. So uh, they went to Syracuse and uh, Regium next, and uh, we're going to call it Puteoli. That's what we're going to call it, Puteoli, um, and, uh, because it's Italian, right? So, uh, so uh, they found brethren, and uh, that's, that's quite a thing. Now, as they're, they're going uh, on their trip, they now find brethren. They run into, what that means is they found other Christians. They found a church to go and be amongst. Uh, that must have been a great relief for them. They were there ministering at Malta, and uh, there was a small group of Christians. I think, personally, that that group of Christians grew as they saw, wait a minute, the wisdom that was uh, in Paul's life and coming from Paul's mouth, and then when they're watching these miracles and they're hearing Paul speak and everything, I think that the, the, the group of believers was growing. Uh, and I wonder, I personally think that Julius... Uh, the centurion uh, overseeing them must have uh, must have been affected uh, in a positive way with the gospel. So now they've found some brethren, and it's a tremendous blessing to them. And imagine how nice it must have been uh, after such chaos that they had experienced. And then now they're in the the presence of other Christians, and uh, they met uh, believers, and they they were now amongst brothers and sisters. That's important. That is that is an important thing because all the craziness that had just happened, now they can go and go, guys. We need some encouragement. <laughs> you know, can you pray with us? Can you can we just talk about you know because they had been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out in ministry. Now these are other people that were there that could pour into their lives and put their hand on them and say, let me pray for you. You know, and uh, the the encouragement that they took here. So they were invited to stay for seven days, and they were permitted to stay for seven days. You know, they were granted that permission. So no doubt a great uh, time of, of fellowship and word, and uh, so they were able to uh, just be uh, be blessed. And it says in uh, verse 15, and from there, uh, when the brethren heard, uh, so uh, back up a little bit, uh, verse four. Uh, end of 14 and so uh, we went toward Rome and from there we uh, when the brethren heard about us they came to meet us as far as a pie forum and uh, three inns so as they're moving closer to Rome uh, they are uh, as they're in travels people are seeking them out and it says that they had heard about them uh, so they came to meet them they're like oh wait Paul we've heard about Paul so they're 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 encouraged. So they go and, and they want to uh, they want to meet with Paul and uh, they uh, they come out to meet them. And so this first group at a pie a pie, a pie forum about forty three miles south of Rome, and the second group of three inns about ten miles outside of Rome. So as they're approaching Rome, believers have heard about Paul and they want to come out and they want to meet him meet them. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. That's uh, that's uh, quite a verse uh, to consider. You know that brethren sought them out, and it was such a blessing and encouragement to Paul that he's thanking God that these people are seeking them out. There's an unknown in in Rome. They 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 don't know exactly what's awaiting them. Paul knows that he's going to stand before Caesar, but they don't know the step by step what's going to happen here. 
And uh, when uh, when Paul sees this, it says uh, that he thanked God and, and took courage. Uh, as I have said before, it would have been easy to be discouraged when everything. So sure, it was an encouragement to have believers there supporting them, being able to step out and say, hey, you know, uh, we're, we're just here. We heard about you. Uh, you know, what word do you have? Whatever it was. And Paul was thankful and uh, he was encouraged. So we see here that uh, the the um, encouragement was needed in Paul's life. Now, verse 16, Paul finally arrives at Rome. As God promised he would. Acts 23, 11 uh, says, But the following night, after facing a divided uh, Sanhedrin, is what it's speaking of, uh, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for uh, as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so also you must uh, bear witness at Rome. Uh, Acts 27, 24 says, uh, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. This is an angel speaking to him. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Paul understood he was going to get there and he was going to stand before Caesar. Uh, but uh, what we see here is God fulfilling the promise as Paul is 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 proceeding through uh, his his trip. So Paul's right in the middle of God's will this whole time. You know, of, of all the, the shipwreck, uh, getting bit, uh, the, the rain, the storms, not only the shipwreck, but remember, you know, these guys, Paul's a part of throwing things overboard. And, and Paul's experiencing the same, you know, the, the, the seasickness and, and all those things. Paul's experiencing those same crazy circumstances everybody else did. And, uh, and, but he's, even in the middle of all that, he's right in the middle of God's perfect will for him. That's crazy to think about, right? Like literally, he's in the middle of a, a storm. Now, we don't want a storm to last for two weeks in our lives or the physical storms. We talked about that last week. But consider once we've been through those things, uh, you know, whether something's happening, uh, you know, externally or even internally in our lives, uh, just to when, when that when you find out, wait a minute, God said I was going to be here and uh, everything happened here, right? It's the same man that wrote Romans 8, 28, right? All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He wrote that from experience. <laughs> so uh, it, that, that's not a man that's just saying good things, trying to get people to come on board. No, he knew that from uh, his experience in life. So Paul and the others were delivered once they arrived. Uh, and uh, they're delivered to the captain of the guard. But Paul was given permission to dwell by himself with a soldier there to guard him. Um, you know, the, you know, talk about an easy assignment for a Roman guard. Like, yeah, hey, this is the guy that's been healing people that told it. You know, the, the, there, no doubt when the stories start circulating here, this guy's like, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, whoever gets that one, they can just kind of sit chained to Paul uh, within the house. And, hey, you're not really going anywhere, but you've got your freedom within your own house. And uh, they would be on uh, six-hour uh, shifts, and uh, they didn't have to worry about Paul running. You know, they didn't have anything to to sit there and consider that uh, him as a threat at all. Um, so they they uh, whoever uh, whatever guard you know got got Paul was uh, in pretty good shape. Not only that, but can you imagine all the sermons they would hear? <laughs> You're chained to the apostle Paul. Like, no, you're literally a prisoner of Paul, <laughs> right? Like, no, you're chained to him. Yeah, he's got you, and, and you can't leave for six hours. So what are we going to study today? You know, what, a, what an awesome opportunity. They, they may not have even uh, known what was happening. Verse 17, And when it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together, so when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or uh, the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation, for this reason uh, therefore, I have called you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, 
We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren uh, who came reported or spoke any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken uh, is spoken against everywhere. So when uh, they had appointed a day, many came uh, to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both uh, from both the law and Moses, law of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. Verse 25, so when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go and say, uh, go to the people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their, eye, uh, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand and with their hearts uh, understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when they heard these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. So here's Paul causing uh, some disruption between the leaders uh, again here. And we see how the gospel separated them. So Paul's continuing to try to reach his fellow Jews. He called them to him and uh, Paul gets settled in. And uh, when they all come, Paul begins to explain that he had done nothing against the Jews or the customs of their fathers. Yet he was delivered as a prisoner uh, to the Romans. And he shares with them, upon uh, being uh, examined, they found nothing wrong with Paul. And they wanted to let him go uh, because uh, they had sta uh, stated there was no cause to put him to death. Now, Paul, in, in his defense... Uh, appealed to Caesar, but if you, it's really interesting what he said. He stated that he had nothing to accuse Israel of. Actually, when you really look at it, uh, he was really there on behalf of Israel and sent by God. So it's it's quite a quite a thing to draw attention to uh, what was actually happening, and that he would be able to actually preach the gospel. And uh, Paul explains um, why he called for these religious leaders, and he says to inform. He tells him that he wanted to inform them of the hope of Israel, uh, that he was bound uh, with this chain. He's saying, I'm bound by this chain because of the hope of Israel. So the Jewish leaders state that they hadn't heard any, uh, from anyone in writing or those visiting regarding Paul himself, but they had heard about uh, the, uh, the, the sect, uh, which, which would mean Christianity. They had heard about it. And uh, they were aware that it had been spoken against everywhere. So, uh, but they wanted to hear what Paul had to say. So they scheduled a time uh, to hear Paul and uh, to hear him out. So um, they uh, they come and they're listening to Paul. They come to his rented house and they're listening to him and he's preaching to them about the kingdom of God. And what it says here is that he persuaded some of those that came uh, from the law of Moses and the prophets. He's saying he's teaching from the Old Testament. And he's saying, hey, remember what Moses said. Remember what Jeremiah said. Remember what Isaiah said. Remember what Ezekiel said. When he's sharing uh, these things that they would be familiar with, he's bringing them to a point. And he's preaching from morning until evening. This guy's hardcore. No, he's not like, hey, guys, I'm going to summarize this and, and everything. You know, for our church services, our teaching is, is usually an hour, right? We have a, a half hour to get through our, um, our, our uh, announcements, and then uh, we have a time of worship, a few minutes to say hello. But the teaching's usually about an hour long, if I can keep on script, right? That's, that's typically where it's at, right? When I say script, keep to my mindset, right, that the Lord gave me through the week. Or, uh, you know, sometimes he adds some things to me and I've got to be obedient and share what he's laying on my heart as I'm speaking, right? So if we get out 10 minutes early, which I don't think we will today, um, just know that uh, when, when that happens, it's just because the Lord is just laying more upon my heart. And so he's able to uh, to share with them morning until evening. Uh, we uh, When we can consider that some were persuaded and some were not. Uh, have you guys ever experienced that as Christians as we're sharing our faith? 
I've had people mock me right to my face, sitting there eating face, eating dinner with them, mocking. I was like, I don't even know this dude. Kind of don't like him, you know. And I'll just be honest, right? You know, just because of the but. But the Lord just, you know, I I took the opportunity, and I'm like, you know, what what he was upset about was that the Lord would provide a sacrifice. You know, I was talking to him about the sacrifice of the Old Testament. I was taking him through Yom Kippur. That's about all I knew and understood because I was a brand new Christian. It was over 20 years ago. And I was just explaining to him what I understood about the Day of Atonement and uh, that we can be atoned because of Christ's blood. And as I'm doing that, he looks at me and goes, poor lamb. I'm like, yes, poor lamb. Something innocent had to die. Right. Now you're paying attention, right? But but to be mocked to your face by a guy you don't even know, right? And I, I'm not sitting here saying I'm Apostle Paul and you know, martyrdom and all that stuff. But what I guess what I'm saying is, is we have to understand that we're not responsible for someone's receiving of the word that we're that we're spreading, right? That's the the Holy Spirit does all that work. Our job is to just speak, and as we speak, then uh, the Spirit does His work. People are either going to reject it, or they're going to just ponder it for a little while, or they're going to just uh, maybe even accept it. Right? That's our hope, right? We're all, we're all hoping they will accept it. But uh, essentially, uh, Paul's just teaching here, and some were persuaded and some were not. And they didn't agree among themselves. Shocker. We saw that happening all through the book of, uh, of Acts, right? Uh, we saw, uh, remember when Paul gets in front of the Sanhedrin and he goes, oh, wait, hey, half of these guys are Sadducees, half are Pharisees. And he brings up the resurrection, and they're all like, the Pharisees are right there grabbing at Paul. Oh, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, so they've got nothing to do with Paul. He's a smart guy, uh, and he understands his audience. So, but these guys didn't—they uh, didn't agree. And then uh, they, they took off uh, when Paul uh, had uh, perceived that they weren't listening, and uh, you know, Paul rebuked them. Uh, and he says that he—he uh, uh, he tells them that they're not that they're hard of hearing. And, and I'll get into what he was quoting here in just a moment. But they listened, but they didn't hear. There's a big difference. They were sitting right there. They were listening to what Paul had to say, but they weren't listening uh, to, to what he had to say with, with ears to hear, right? And that's an important thing. So the Holy Spirit uh, spoke uh, right through uh, Paul, and uh, he brought to Paul's mind uh, in remembrance uh, Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah 6, verse, uh, verses 9 and 10, and um, he's uh, speaking of a steady decline of Israel's spiritual condition. And Jesus also quoted this in Matthew 13 and in Luke 8, uh, so you'll see them there. But Isaiah 6, verses uh, 9 and 10 says, And he said, Go and tell the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. And their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they uh, lest they see with their eyes, and uh, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Luke t- uh, eight verse ten says, uh, and he said, "This is Jesus speaking to you. It was given uh, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but the rest, but uh, uh, but to the rest, it is given in parables." That seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Romans 11 verse 8 says, Just as it is written, God has given them over to a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. Lastly, Isaiah 29 verse 10 says, For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep, and has caused your eyes Namely, uh, uh, close your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. So uh, these guys had rejected the word of God so much that they were deaf to, to it, that they couldn't see, they couldn't perceive what was happening uh, when ministry was happening in front of them, that God was working. And when you look at, and there are many other uh, verses that you can look at and, and tie in here. These are the ones that were put on my heart as I was studying. But that Paul saying, like, yeah, you can sit here, but you're not hearing anything I have to say. You're listening, but you're not hearing anything I have to say because you're spiritually deaf and you're spiritually blind. You're in a bad spot spiritually. You've declined so much. So Paul makes it clear that, yeah, you may reject this, but God has opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. So Paul continued, and he says, not only that, he says, they will hear it. <laughs> That's Paul has witnessed this, right? 
And if we consider the book of Acts, right, uh, you know, the gospel goes to the Jews and it goes to the Gentiles. Uh, we see uh, the, the trip go and, and the ministry go from Jerusalem all the way to Rome, right? As you study through uh, the book of Acts, you see that. Jews and then to the Gentiles, from Jerusalem to Rome. That's, that's, that's what we're studying through and what we studied through in these last 28 chapters uh, in this time we've spent in the book of Acts. Now, considering uh, what's, what's happening here, this rebuke that Paul is, is giving them, uh, you, it'll sound familiar. Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, verses 51 through 53, and we will be a couple minutes over, sorry. Uh, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. And uh, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. You have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. I mean, that was that's quite a quite a rebuke from Stephen, uh, from Paul. What Paul has to say regarding the Jews rejecting and the Gentiles accepting. Romans eleven, and we'll kind of skip through Romans eleven. Verse one says, "I say then, has God cast away His people? Certainly not. For I am uh, an Israelite." Of the seed of Benjamin, of the tribe, uh, sorry, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 11 says, I say then, have they stumbled that, uh, that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, they, uh, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. To provoke them to jealousy. You guys want to reject God? God's going to minister to the Gentiles. And then they get jealous, right? My dog gets jealous when I pet the cats. Right. If I start petting the cats, he comes right over and he's a lot bigger than them and he barrels in and, you know, right. Because he wants all the attention. Right. Verse 19 of Romans 11 says, you will say then branches were broken off. And he's, he's still uh, Paul writing uh, to the Romans. He says, you will say then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand uh, by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. So, on those who fell, severity, but to those, uh, but to you, goodness. If uh, you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And also, if they do not, dis, uh, they do not continue in unbelief, they will be grafted in. Uh, for God is able to graft them in again. And I won't go to 30 and, and beyond from there. But the explanation, like Paul's telling them, hey, look, guys, you know, they're, you're rejecting it, but the Gentiles are going to accept it. And then there was a message from Paul to the Gentiles saying, hey, don't get haughty about this. Understand that, yes, God did graft you, graft you in because of your, your, your belief. But if they don't continue in unbelief, they can be grafted back in. So it's quite a quite a lesson that Paul has here. But Paul's just double barrels on these guys saying, you know what? You don't want to hear it. I'm going to go say it to people and they will hear it. So the Jewish leaders had had enough and they were rejecting Paul's uh, message. And Paul informed them that he was going to go minister to people that are, are going to listen. Now, that would have broken Paul's heart. We know that he said in Romans 9, 3, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. That would hurt Paul, and, and, and no doubt he'd pray for them after they were gone. But Paul knew ministry had to continue. The people were going to listen, and he was he was willing to move forward. You know, the, let this be a an encouragement to us. So let's not be the hard-hearted and stiff-necked ones uh, when it comes to the Word of God. If if we find ourselves there saying, "I'm just not giving this up in my life," then at some point God's going to say, "Go ahead and experience uh, you know life without me." And uh, the peace uh, that, that you're seeking in your life, you're not going to get that. And you're just going to come to a brokenness and despair. Uh, and then God and his faithfulness will uh, hopefully uh, start working again. But why go down the road and uh, go through the school of hard knocks, right? Let's wrap this up. Verse 30. Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So for two years, he's in his own rented house, the church, no doubt, supplying his needs, and uh, he's able to be in, in the spot. So he's not in the cold, dark prison yet. He does get to that point. Um, 
but he's he's chained to a guard, you know, and it resulted in uh, people hearing the gospel. And we know that some were were saved. Philippians chapter one verses twelve through thirteen. Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he said, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, those guys that are guarding him, right? And to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. They're sitting there with him. They're hearing the Bible studies. And no doubt some of them got saved. Because he's even saying there, uh, Philippians 4.22 says, All the saints greet you but especially those of Caesar's household, <laughs> right? Paul's infiltrated, right? He's not just sitting there as, as the, the quiet prisoner, just there. He's infiltrated, and he's there, and he's preaching the gospel, and people are coming to Christ. It's a wonderful thing. And it says that he received all who came to him. Everybody was welcome to come through the door. Everybody's welcome to come through this door. They can sit and hear the word of God, as long as they're not causing a disruption, or trying to draw people to themselves off to whatever cult or whatever it might be. No, come on in and sit. We've had people, uh, Will dealt with them before. We've had people from the church, I won't even, Mormons, Mormons that came in, and Will, they, when they came in, Will said, You can come in, taking your name tags off, and you're sitting in the back. And they were able to sit here, and, and you know, and afterward they left pretty quickly, if I remember correctly the story. I might not remember it correctly, but that was, that was the, um, I think they even came in, but those were the, if they wanted to stay, that's what happened, okay? It was a long time ago. But I remember when they came in, Paul, that, that Will said, yeah, you're welcome to come in here, but you're not wearing those. And uh, you're, you're not an elder in this church. You're like 19. <laughs> not, to, not to discourage anybody who's young, but, um, you know, you, you, you don't even, like, you're, you're brand new. You got you and and in fact you don't even know the Lord, so you're not going to sit here as an elder. Um, you're going to sit here and, and uh, but Paul uh, preached to everybody and he taught about Jesus Christ with all confidence. That's great with all confidence. Here he is, a prisoner in Rome with all confidence, and uh, it says nobody forbidding him from ministering. Nobody's forbidding him. Paul's like, well, you know what? I'm here. I'm chained to this guard. They're going to hear the gospel, and anybody who wants to come in, they can share the gospel, and I'm not being forbidden. Uh, from sharing it. So while he's in Rome, he wrote uh, letters to the Philippians, the Ephesians, Colossians, and he wrote uh, Philemon. So uh, Luke doesn't give a lot of details or give any details about Paul's trial, but many scholars believe that Paul was released and then re, uh, re-arrested. And it seems around AD 66-67 uh, he was arrested again. Uh, and things weren't so comfortable the, the, the second time uh, that he was there. And he was treated more like a criminal. And he explains it in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 16. He says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he uh, often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 9 says, for, I, uh, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not changed. So he later asked Timothy for his coat. So he's in uncomfortable and a cold uh, place. And the saddest thing is that he says that he was forsaken by uh, those that he considered friends. Second uh, Timothy 4, verses 16 and 17 says, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles may hear also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. You know, tradition tells us that Paul was beheaded around 67, 68 AD, AD 67, 68. You know, Paul was faithful to the ministry uh, that he had. We're going to get into what he had to share with the church around the world and for the lost around the world as he was writing his letters. We're going to jump into the book of Romans after this. But what we understand here is as we're closing our study in the book of Acts, God worked through the apostles to spread the gospel around the world. Both Jews and Gentiles came to faith as a result of God ministering, right? When we started out the first week uh, that we got into Acts, we I, I tried to make it very clear, and I hope, uh, I hope we're all on the same page. It, 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 your Bible probably says the Acts of the Apostles, uh, and I don't believe that's accurate. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, um, that God used apostles to do his work. Uh, it's not that the apostles themselves had the power. We saw how God ministered, how he worked powerfully, and uh, he is uh, just uh, the the stories of redemption and healing. Um, 
and uh, the encouragements, everything in here. There's a lot to learn. Uh, so if you need to go back and, and reread it, go back and reread it. Uh, but as things are, are going now, Lord willing, we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 1 next week. So would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to continue in your word. We look forward to our next opportunity, and uh, we, uh, which would be tonight, Wednesday, and, uh, and uh, Lord, your willing uh, would be uh, even Sunday. Uh, if you haven't come back by then or uh, whatever it is, Lord. So we lift everything to you. We are so grateful for the opportunities, and we pray, Lord, that we'd make the most of every one of them. We pray, Lord, that for those who can stay, that you would bless our time uh, in fellowship dinner, that we can sit around these tables and talk and laugh and spend time together getting to know one another better, enjoying a meal and just talking about what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.